Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. Happy Halloween, everybody. Well, I guess it's Halloween week. Hope you are all doing well. Today's episode, we are going to talk about an animal that a lot of people don't even know exists. We are talking about the Philippine eagle. Now, there are less than 400 pairs left in the wild. This is a critically endangered bird. And on the show today, I have a remarkable person that works with them on a daily basis. On the show, I have Luana Halik. She's an animal keeper at the Philippine Eagle Foundation. And she is actually the first woman in history to train a Philippine eagle to fly to her hand. Now, this is such an amazing feat because you guys, the Philippine Eagle, it has a wingspan of over seven feet. This is one of the largest eagles in the world. Matter of fact, it holds the record for being the largest eagle found in the rainforest. And you guys, I promise you are going to absolutely love this episode. I learned so much and I'm going to be honest with you. I was most fascinated with what they're doing to try to save this critically endangered bird. They do something that I have never really looked into or heard much about, and that is using cooperative artificial insemination with birds. That is right. They're using artificial insemination to help breed these birds. And the Philippine Eagle Foundation is the only foundation in the world that has successfully bred these birds. And then they return them into the wild. It is great. Luana really goes into detail on how they they do this artificial insemination. The eagles actually bond with certain keepers. And they believe that their keepers are actually their mates. And the keepers have to collect the samples. And you guys, I was really fascinated. I wanted to get into the nitty gritty. Like, okay. Okay, that sounds great, but how are they doing this? How are you collecting a sample from an eagle? And is it intimidating, you know, when the giant eagle with the seven foot wingspan tries to mate with you? Once again, I had a lot of questions, but I was curious because not a lot of people know about this and a lot of, not a lot of people know about the Philippine eagle. So I promise you are going to absolutely love this before we get started. As always, please make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes. Please leave a rating and a review. We're getting some new reviews, so thank you. Thank you so much. If you want a behind-the-scenes look at these amazing eagles and more behind-the-scenes content regarding the Animals to the Max podcast, I encourage you to check out my social channels at Corbin Maxi on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and on YouTube. And I will make sure to include Loana's Instagram links and the Philippine Eagle foundations links their social links so you guys can go follow them because they have a fantastic organization all right with that said everybody let's get to it let's learn about the shadows in the forest let's learn about the philippine eagle thank you so much for coming on the show yeah thank you for having me yeah i'm excited i have it's so crazy with the internet you're in the philippines right now yeah (laughs) and i'm in idaho and what time is it right now in the philippines it is currently 9 a.m thursday october 22nd oh my gosh (laughs) we're recording this like in time you're like a day ahead of us it's 7 p.m it's 7 p.m here in idaho and yeah i'm just so excited to have you on the show and luana you actually a listener recommended you that's crazy yeah well thank you to whoever um 
recommended me. <laughs> I know. Well, they wanted to talk about the Philippine Eagles, and I honestly do not know a lot about them. And I thought this is so awesome to talk about an animal that is critically endangered that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm happy to explain and answer any questions that you have or any curiosities. So they're pretty neat like, looking animal, and they're also just um, just crazy as an animal that I get to work with. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. yeah and they remind me of a harpy eagle. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah. They're um, in the same category as a large bird of prey. Okay. Sure. And they're also called Wikipedia says a monkey eating eagle. <laughs> Is that correct? Yeah. That was their previous name. So before it was changed to the, now the Philippine Eagle. They were previously known as the monkey eating eagle. I feel like that just helped the animals conservation in the wild because I feel like people <laughs> don't want to conserve a monkey eating eagle. You know what I mean? Like it sounds really terrifying actually. Yeah, well they eat they eat monkeys. That's one of their uh prey items in the wild. So that was um actually how they were first discovered was because they saw or someone one of the scientists saw that bird eating a monkey. And so hence the name was monkey eating eagle. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, take me back really quick. How did you, so are, were you born and raised in the Philippines? Uh, no. <laughs> oh. So yeah, I'm actually originally from Canada, Calgary, Alberta. So I'm Canadian, Filipina. Uh, so I have, I have dual citizenship. So hence why I'm able to work here as well. And so, yeah, that's my background side. And then I am now working in the Philippines. Um, as an animal keeper with our captive breeding department at the Philippine Eagle Foundation. And did you always want to work with, with birds of prey, eagles in particular? Well, um, that was, it was, so basically I can just give like a background. Sure. Of how I came um, and then discuss a little bit more of, you know, what I do. So uh, basically I came in uh, to the Philippines in 2017 and I came for the first time. I've never visited the country. Um, I came here to visit family and then also do this internship with the Philippine Eagle Foundation. And so it so happened that um, during this internship, I kind of just fell in love with the animals and um, I was able to work with them, kind of like have hands-on experience. So I got the best of both worlds because I'm also a primatologist. So that's my background degree um, from the University of Calgary. I, uh, uh, my undergraduate degree. So I got to work uh, with the monkeys here at the center as well. So I was training some raptors, but then I also got to do like some animal keeping with our long-tailed macaques. And so it was the best of both worlds, working with monkeys and birds. And I always loved birds. Um, I grew up with birds. So yeah, it was just um, kind of like a great mesh in a sense. And so after that internship, I, uh, I basically... Went back to Canada for two months, packed up my life, and like emigrated to the Philippines, and I'm still here today. Yeah. What? And that was okay. So over, so three years ago, four years ago. Yes. Yeah. Three years ago. Yeah. Three years so, ago. Beginning of uh, 2017 was yeah. I was in the Philippines, and then I was here for a couple of months, and then literally just couple months back in Canada and then back to the Philippines. Well, and so a lot of people who want to work with animals or who work with animals listen to this podcast. And a big theme is if you want to work with animals, you need to be prepared to move. But my Lord, you moved across the world <laughs> to the Philippines. <laughs> <Literally. laughs> yeah. I mean, but yeah, you, had, 
that passion. And you, you had family, though, as you said, in the Philippines. Yeah, so my, my mother's Filipina. Uh-huh. Um, so I got to meet my family. I've never met them uh, before. And so that was also an interesting experience. So kind of all like firsts uh, in 2017. <laughs> wow. Was it hard to adjust moving from Canada did I mean to the Philippines and I am so, okay so when I imagine the Philippines I just think thick jungle I think huts I, I'm sorry this like you know what I mean like I'm thinking like you are in this rural area can you take me I mean was it hard to adjust what is it like <laughs> um, yes and no so okay. because I am also like half Filipina or whatnot so it like I knew I uh, like the culture kind of thing surrounding it because I grew up in that kind of area, even if I was in Canada. Right. And so like food wasn't a problem. Um, people were not necessarily a problem because my mother would be speaking in her language kind of thing um, with her friends and all that back home um, in Canada. And then, so when I transitioned to the Philippines, it was just like, okay. <laughs> um, in terms of work schedule, that kind of like uh, changed. So Instead of like the normal like five days a week that we have in North America, it's like a six day work week. So and then you get your one days off. So that was one of the main things that was like I had to try to adjust to. But in terms of yeah, like the culture, the food, um, the like atmosphere, not so much. I love hot countries. Um, so the, it was an easy adjustment with that as well. I do love winters. I love my winters back um, home. But the Philippines, yeah, it was not as difficult to adjust because once you're like, I don't know, like passionate about whatever you're doing, it just kind of naturally flows. You'll kind of find your groove no matter what. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. And you were, so you were an animal keeper and you were taking care of raptors along with primates, the long tail macaques. Yeah, that's correct. Perfect. Oh my God. We have a trip here. (laughs) <laughs> so and you were yeah. a primatologist i find that so fascinating and then you ended up working with an animal that specializes in eating <laughs> like primates <laughs> yeah. yeah that was a, a little bit of a, a whirlwind with that um my initial um uh, kind of like uh experience with wildlife when i was in university and I, my degree is basically anthropology um natural science and anthropology, and then my concentration was primatology, and so hence the primatologist. Um, and so when I was in university, I did this uh, field school, um, or like did like field work in Belize in Central America, and that was my first exposure to like wildlife in the wild with mm. monkeys, and it was on howler monkeys collecting like behavioral data. And so I was like, you know, I can do this. I liked it. Um, and then after that, the following, like, you know, once I graduated, I tried to do these internships and this first internship in the Philippine Eagle Foundation kind of like stuck, (laughs) basically. And so, uh, yeah, that's why it's kind of like both both uh, areas are kind of like meshed. Absolutely. And you said you had an internship first and you just must have blown their socks off because they (laughs) offered you an animal keeper. I mean, that's great. You did the internship first and then you just became an animal keeper. Was it competitive to, did you beat out a lot of applicants or were they currently, you know, did they like you so much? They're like, Hey, you should come move to the Philippines and we'll give you this animal <laughs> keeper position. Well, it's, that's, yeah, that's quite interesting. Um, after that kind of initial introduction with the Philippine Eagle foundation, it was just kind of like a natural fit in a sense. Like I got along with um, the people that 
were around uh, around me that were kind of like training me in a sense and it kind of like showing me the ropes and then um, before I left it's just like you know that feeling where you're like I don't want to leave <laughs> I still want to continue doing this and it was just um, a lot of fun and I learned so much new things and then I ended up just kind of like you know it's like oh I'll just kind of like send in an application not really thinking too much about it and then it was like the following day our director uh, Sir Dennis Salvador he uh He's like, yeah, you, you're hired. <laughs> and then so I'm like, okay, so I'll work on all my documents and kind of like come back to the Philippines. And yeah, that was, that was it. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And you seem so happy and passionate and that's awesome. I mean, just, <laughs> I wish, yeah, I wish viewers or listeners can see you because you're wearing this awesome shirt with the Philippine Eagle logo and ah, it's so cool. So Tell us about the Philippine eagle or the monkey-eating eagle. Yes. So um, our Philippine eagle uh, is actually critically endangered. There's only about like 400 pairs left in the wild. Wow. And so the numbers continually like continue to decrease also because of habitat loss and like destruction and all of those like human-induced um, uh, like uh, – deforestation and whatnot so yeah they continue to decrease but along with their like um like physiology and their behaviors uh the philippine eagles they only lay one egg every two years in the wild wow and so you know combined with their slow maturation rate and like fledgling stages it's kind of hard for them to compete against all these like human-induced like destructions kind of thing right and so along with poaching so all of these kind of like affect them and the numbers kind of keep going down and down. And so they're also found on only four main islands in the Philippines. And so the areas um, for like habitat are also shrinking. And so that, again, that contributes to their decreased in numbers. So here at the Philippine Eco Foundation, we're actually um, the only known successful breeding facility in the entire world <laughs> for the Philippine Eagle. And so we, um, and the, the Philippine Eagle, I'm not sure if I mentioned already in the beginning, but I'll just you know, reiterate it, is that they are the national bird of the Philippines. And so they're a symbol, you know, for Filipinos, a pride, and um, we want to protect them. We want to keep them around. And so that's what we try to do at this foundation um, with our breeding facility and research Wow. That's and so, okay. So the, so they're the national bird. So people, the general consensus is people like these eagles in, in, in the, in the Philippines, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, it's kind of like they're everywhere. Kind of like in small, like I would say like on magnets, on flags, on like posters, but still um, because, you know, corporations and whatnot that kind of do like loggings or again, habitat loss and people, um, still need to survive and do things that we don't want them to do necessarily with wildlife. Those things happen. Yeah. Oh, so people actually hunt them and eat them? Not necessarily eat them. I wouldn't want to go that far. Make there perhaps are cases in that sense, but in terms of like uh, poaching kind of thing, people can like use them in different uh, ways. Like try like illegal wildlife trade. Oh. They'll try to do that. They'll try to keep them. And so that makes it difficult yeah yeah and so you said there's only 400 pairs left which doesn't seem like many at all why they're critically endangered 
Are they still, because they are on these four main islands and you said they don't have a lot of habitat, I mean, are they still commonly seen around these islands? Like, can you look, I mean, can you look up in the sky? Do people regularly see Philippine eagles? No, <laughs> they don't. No. So, no, they're not common at all. They're quite rare, actually, to be uh, seen. And so if there is a Philippine eagle sighting in terms of, like, a nest or something, then, um, like, our foundation and we work closely with like government units to try to get that area protected or we have it you know, like monitored so that other people don't go in and kind of like try to get them or whatnot. Um, and it's not only just, you know, the Philippine Eagle, you know, that's being, you know, um, poached or whatnot in their habitat. It's like all their food sources too, because they are the apex predator in sure. that environment. And so everything else kind of like once people take out, you know, other animals in that environment, they also go down because they don't have a food source. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So uh, I'm sure. So there's people in the Philippines who probably have never seen a Philippine Eagle. Yeah, actually I'd be surprised that when, um, even locals, um, themselves, when sometimes they come in, they're like, wow, it's an Eagle. And, um, cause they've never seen one. So our facility is basically the only facility in the country that has, uh, captive like Philippine Eagles, for people to kind of also see and like learn about and kind of get that like attachment and want to like do more for conservation. That's how I see it with um, our facility. So people can come in. Um, we have, it's like a, the, the foundation itself, we're a nonprofit organization. So we do rely on like donations and um, other like sponsorships. So we're also kind of hard during this time, mm -hmm. but um, we're also open to public even though we're also a breeding facility so that people can come in and learn more about them and like increase that initiative in an education level mm -hmm. as well as like our research side. So we basically kind of try to have a holistic approach when it comes to uh, conservation. Wow. Of the Philippine Eagle. Wow. Yeah. That's great that at the Philippine Eagle foundation, you have a few that people can see, um, you know, cause I mean, you know, there are some people who are anti zoos, anti whatever, but it's like, these places are necessary because you, like I said, you have a captive breeding program, the only successful one in the world. That's a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. So basically um, it started off like, I think, I think in the eighties Okay. and um, we have successfully bred Philippine Eagles through different methods. Um, basically. So like I work in the captive breeding department, so I'm like an animal keeper breeder and like Eagle trainer technically <laughs> for all those kind of like a wear of many hats. Sure. And so with our like department, we're in charge of like our animals, um, like all animal care aspects or animal management. And so for the captive breeding part, um, there's basically two main methods. So there's the natural captive breeding. So like natural pairing technique. And then we also have our cooperative artificial uh, insemination. So our artificial breeding technique where the, Raptor is technically like, imprinted or like people also say like sexually imprinted to their carer or their keeper. And then we become their mate in a sense for this artificial breeding process to occur. And we successfully um, have a second generation Philippine Eagle through that form of breeding along with our natural pairing technique. So two main methods that we try to utilize to kind of increase our numbers. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I mean, birds bond to their owner, but really, I mean, so are you that, okay. So they actually will think that you're a mate 
And can you explain yeah. this to me? How does this, I mean, do you go in with like a feathered headdress or what are you just, no, I'm serious. Do you dress up, put on the, per, I mean, I'm not I'm kidding about the perfume, but can we go, can we go more into this? Because yeah, absolutely. That's it's such an interesting topic. Also for me, when I like first started learning about this, you know, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> and they're a big eagle. Yeah. How, how big are they? They're about two meters tall. Okay. And then they have a wingspan of over or about seven feet. Also, yeah. So three feet all, and then like a wingspan of seven feet. So they're actually, people will have a debate, but technically they are the largest forest dwelling eagle in the world. Bigger than the harpy. Yeah, they can be. So males, um, in terms of like weight, they're about like three, they can be three to five uh, kilos. Uh huh. I don't know. I forgot the conversion in pounds. Yeah. I think you guys use pounds, but we, they're um, quite hefty birds. And then females can be um, double that weight. So females can go up to like eight or I think eight or nine kilos. So they're quite, quite big. <laughs> wow. I didn't realize they're bigger than the harpy. That is insane. That's massive. Yeah. So when you, so literally when you join this, you know, you're an animal keeper and they say, Hey, listen, you're going to have to be, <laughs> we're going to do this artificial insemination and this eagle has to be bonded to you. Yeah. Let's go into that. Cause these are massive birds. That could be terrifying, Luana. <laughs> yeah. That's another, that's another interesting, um, like, uh, assumption that people are like, you're not afraid to go with the animal. And then I always kind of relate it back when you're like passionate or like you're interested in something, it doesn't, you don't have a fear for it in a sense. You're just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it just becomes like you internalize it as something normal. And so that's how it's just like, okay, I'm going to work with these birds. Great. I love that. And then there wasn't really the thought process like, yes, these are dangerous animals. <laughs> yeah. Well, I meant, no, I, I meant though, like becoming one of their mates, that would terrify oh, yeah. <laughs> that, That's what I meant. That, that's not that. No, I think it'd be great to see them. I don't think I'd be scared, but I feel like if they're like, oh, by the way, we're going to have this animal. I mean, uh, try to, I, you're going to try to become a mate with this animal. Uh, what? So that's what I'm trying yeah. to get at. No. Yeah. Uh, so um, when I came in, uh, we had, there was a, uh, a young Philippine eagle. He was, he was still about one years old. Mm-hmm. So that's a, one of the times for like initial imprinting. If this bird is going to be an imprinted eagle mm-hmm. versus an eagle that um, we want to reserve for like the different purpose of natural pairing. So we also have different like um, uh, categories of how we, utilize that breeding so imprinted eagles again they imprint towards a person and so they also go through a different um like chick rearing process Mm. than if we were to do like a a bird for release or for like reintroduction in a sense and um or for natural pairing so i'll just kind of explain like that natural pairing side first that will make more sense so for naturally paired eagles we do not want them to associate uh, with humans mm-hmm. because like eagles or like other animals in a sense too, or majority of birds, you know, they'll imprint with like the first animal they see, right. Which is typically their parents. And in the wild, that is very important to imprint with um, the species that you identify so that you're able to um, kind of match with the appropriate mate later in life. Right. Sure. And so even here for eagles that are to be part of a release program or to be a reintroduced bird, if it's like hatched, then we use like puppet feeding and that they don't see the human face or we try to avoid human figure so that 
it doesn't imprint on that person. And so through puppet feeding, and then they go into like isolation in a sense, but in the isolation, there's also kind of like a two-way mirror where they're able to see an adult Philippine eagle. And then so that they're kind of like always seeing that type of species. So later when we're ready to like, when it does reach maturation, if it's to be part of our breeding program on site, then it could be uh, paired, you know, hopefully uh, successfully. Otherwise, uh, for reintroduced birds that are for release, again, um, kind of like, again, no introduction to people, try to keep them as far away, and then introduce like prey items that they would associate with in the wild, and then would be part for a release program. Um, but for birds that we end up keeping um, at the center for breeding purposes, um, it's typically eagles that have come in from like the wild for rehab that are no longer fit for release. Mm -hmm. So there could have been like some sort of um, injury or behavioral issue or something like that that prevents them from being successfully um, survive or to successfully survive in the wild um, on their own. So eagles that have, for instance, like came in with gunshot wounds mm -hmm. and kind of like damaged their wings, um, they're no longer able fit for release. So they'll try, we'll try to put those eagles since they're from the wild into a natural pairing program. And then there's also some eagles that also are not able to be naturally paired kind of thing with another eagle due to that injury, which is also one of the eagles under my care. So we'll try to introduce it to a person. And so it's kind of through that like sexual imprinting now, if that bird will bond with that keeper, then we can try to utilize them for our breeding program. And so that's like that side of it. <laughs> that kind of makes sense. And then for like our imprinted eagles, um, the ones that do remain at the center that are like raised, like hatched and raised here, we keep them based on like in terms of like a lot of factors, but like one of the ones I mentioned would be like because of genetics kind of thing, we need to have a viable gene pool in captivity for the Philippine eagles so that eventually they can be released back out in the wild. And so um, for instance, the younger Philippine eagle that I'm taking care of is imprinted to me since he was about one years old. And so he like sees me kind of like a parent, but then eventually will see me as a surrogate partner for breeding purposes. Yeah. So they bond and that bond is very important for establishing trust and um, being able to work that intimately with a raptor species. So uh, like our senior keeper, um, he has, he, he's been bonded with one of his Philippine Eagles for like 20 Oh my gosh, how long was it? I think 26 years. Wow. Well, it was the first captive bred Philippine eagle. <laughs> forgot the exact age now. And his name is Pagasa. And uh, he's been with his keeper for over 20, for over 20 years, for sure. And so that eagle is explicitly bonded with that keeper um, and actually has produced um, like uh, a second generation offspring via artificial insemination so that's a male philippine eagle. artificial then, insemination how yeah, can we go into that yeah how is that with birds that's i mean we hear it with mammals male, but yeah yeah for imprinted males you would again you would be kind of like the female eagle so they'll either mount where you're wearing some very thick leather sure outfit, and they'll try to mount and then you'll be able to collect samples from that bird and then use that samples to um uh, inseminate a imprinted female because that the female will also have to be bonded to that 
gatekeeper, right? Or for that person, because they can't be put together unless it's a natural pair, because the Philippine eagles themselves are also very territorial um, and they can be very aggressive. And so if you put two eagles together in one cage right away, they will attack and probably kill each other. So there, oh. it's about fine timing. So we also, part of that natural pairing technique, if we do end up trying to pair eagles together, we do it through a partition screen. So the eagles themselves have like one side and then one side. It's kind of like, I call it like the dating dome. We have this dome for uh, two eagles with a partition screen. So that a male and a female, they can kind of get to know each other in a sense. And if we see the right behaviors, if we see they're compatible enough, then we'll open a door in that partition screen to see if they will go in and out. And then if we deem them fit as compatible uh, as a compatible mate, then we'll put them in one enclosure for that breeding pair. And then for our imprinted eagles, they have their own individual enclosures that the keeper is able to go in without that eagle interacting with us negatively. We'll always be in a positive manner, manner as much as possible <laughs> so that they won't want to attack. But if a different keeper were to enter that enclosure of an eagle that they're not bonded to, they probably would get attacked. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> My mind is blown. I had no idea you guys were using artificial insemination. So yeah. is that and terrifying? Like wearing a leather suit and having an eagle mount you? <laughs> so yeah, there's two ways. So there's that like a leather thing. So one of our keepers uses that, but they also, um, you can also have them kind of like uh, copulate. I'm trying to use proper terminology. Oh, that's, no, that's fine. <laughs> So yeah, so they'll copulate um, either on like mount on your head with that leather like um, hood. Oh my and, or god! Your glove. So your leather glove, you can, and that's also very important with us. So we have to make sure for imprinted eagles that they're used to that leather glove, so that they'll be able to perch on that glove and eat from that glove, and eventually use that as a tool for breeding purposes. And, and so, what do you do? Anyway, Stick your hand up there. Yeah, you just kind of collect it underneath. Like, I haven't been part of that yet since my eagle is still quite young, but that's the journey with him. So for our other keepers, our senior keepers, they go through that process every uh, year for breeding season to try to collect semen samples for the from the male, imprinted males, so that we can use it for the imprinted female. And so that is why it's called cooperative artificial insemination. Because wow. the eagle cooperates, behave, like their behavior is cooperative enough to tolerate this type of interaction. <laughs> I, wow. You're, you all deserve an award. Is this on video? Um, you can probably check out our like website. I'm not sure if it's been posted. <laughs> but at the Eagle Foundation, uh, we have like snippets here and there of what we do. So... Yeah, this, it's quite a process. <laughs> this screams YouTube to me. This is just insane. <laughs> the, the amount of dedication and work that's going in to save this species. Because honestly, without the Philippine Eagle Foundation, this bird very well could be could go extinct. I mean, you said you only have 400 pairs left. So we have under 1,000 birds left in, 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 yep. in, in the world. That's correct. So yeah, that's why birds. they're classified as critically endangered. And so... That's what we're trying to do um, at the foundation is help kind of propagate those numbers and kind of spread that awareness and increase that education level to get people more aware and want to help and um, protect those areas that need to be protected. 
And so the foundation, we also have like our research unit. We have like education, research, and like our proper breeding departments. And so the research um, area, they're the ones that go out in the field and try to like monitor the eagles. They help out with like the release and um, they also work closely with our IPs, which is like our indigenous peoples or the local um, local peoples that live in the habitats that the eagles are found in and try to kind of um, make those connections and uh, kind of like utilize them as also the keepers of like the forest and protectors of the forest as well. Sure. Yeah. Do Do you think tourism could help at all with the Philippine Eagle, or are they just too hard to find right now to promote tourism? Oh, we, we promote tourism through our foundation to come in and like sure. uh, to experience um, seeing a Philippine Eagle. Um, in the wild, probably not so much, because we want to limit the amount of human contact or human disturbances, right? And so when we do have a like a nest, nesting tree or something that Philippine eagles part of their behavior they are monogamously bonded mm. so that also plays into the role of how as a keeper we have to bond with that eagle if it's to be part of our breeding program um, because they will mate and bond for life they're quite loyal animals to one another so in the wild the the pair will continue to use the same nesting site year after year and so it becomes difficult if there's no more trees <laughs> to have a nest in or if that nest was chopped down or whatnot, right? And so it's hard for them to kind of like, they'll have to start over um, to try to like find another tree or whatnot. What yeah. happens if one of your keepers decides to find another job? I'm serious. <laughs> That's a legit question because this eagle only yeah. bonds with one person and you said they would attack other keepers. Has that ever been a problem? Um, well, our senior keeper, he's still here. Good. So, yeah, I'm not planning on leaving anytime soon. So, yeah, I'm sure, um, like, again, I'm not sure in, like, past um, the, uh, keepers kind of thing. I, we kind of, they, they're still here okay. in a sense. Um, some of the animals, like, we don't have a lot of imprinted eagles. Oh. So that's where we try to utilize the natural pairing method as well. So that's, like, the priority. So that, again, um, we also try not, we don't want the eagles to be technically imprinted mm. um, because we want to release them back in the wild. That's the whole point. But mm. some of them do remain. Um, again, only a handful of them are like bonded to like a keeper. And sometimes some of them are not successful in imprinting or in that bonding. And so they do remain. And um, at the center, like for eagles that have came in, for instance, from the wild, mm. like I mentioned, not able to be fit for release. Um, they're not used to humans, but they're, um, they'll tolerate us. They become habituated, right? But like they can't have that intimate interaction as I would with an imprinted animal. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That is, yeah. Well, and I have to say something. In my notes, doing research on you, you are the first woman in history to train a Philippine eagle to fly to your hand. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. In the history of the world? That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel quite honored um, about that. And so it was it was a unique experience when I kind of found out because when I was learning about the Philippine Eagles and started to train um, the youngest one, which was his name is Sinag. Sinag actually means ray of light or sun ray. Um, and so we kind of started that bonding kind of thing for me to like go inside this enclosure and then, but without like going 
right in front of him. Just kind of like slowly the interactions will develop. Um, and then eventually he able he was able to like perch on my glove through food and always through positive reinforcement. Um, his, his behavior kind of was more like, okay, you know, we can be friends. <laughs> and then it, it happened to the point where I was training him to fly on cue so that um, he can get like exercise and whatnot. Sure. And we can use him as our ambassador uh, bird for his species so that people can also uh, be able to enjoy him in a sense from like from a flying perspective because there's not been a Philippine eagle that has been able to fly technically on cue for public um, uh, education on site at the center. And so we developed this uh, flight demonstration for the eagles here. So not only like do we have Philippine eagles, we also have other uh, birds of prey as well. So we want to utilize them and make sure that, you know, they stay fit and healthy as part of their like exercise routine, but then also kind of like encourage people to, you know, want to help these animals. Because like once you visually see it and you see their behaviors, you're able to kind of like form that attachment. So yeah, Sinag, um, we continue to train him every day and it's part of our routine and routine is very good when you're working with birds of prey. Um, so that it, again, that bond strengthens each time. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Congratulations. And I, I yeah. because they're so critically endangered, I don't think I've ever seen a Philippine Eagle at a zoo in the United States. Do they have them in the United States at all at a zoo with zoological facilities? Uh, no, the Philippine Eagle is not in North America. <laughs> so that's a, one, one of the reasons why I want to like increase this awareness in North America. Because even where I was from, like I was in, from like Calgary, like I knew about them, but because I myself am, am Filipino. And so I was like, I was aware about them. But for my friends and like people back home, they're like, oh, I didn't know that existed. And it's so surprising. So um, the Philippine Eagle uh, itself is not in yeah the U.S., so... That's correct. But we do have a pair that has been um, sent to Singapore, so at the Singapore Zoo. Oh, so that would just happen recently as well, just within the past couple of years here. And so they're the only um, zoological facility that has a pair of Philippine eagles outside of the Philippines. Yeah. Wow, this is a, a just super rare. This is, oh, wow. Yeah. Can you hit me as we near the end of this podcast with some fun facts? Like, what's your favorite fact about the Philippine eagle? Besides that it eats monkeys, which is insane. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so here's the, so they're the, one of the largest birds of prey um, in the world. Um, they have a beautiful crest of feathers that will um, kind of pop up in, when they're kind of like on defense as part of their like behavior when they see something like that they don't like in a sense or, in, or when they're very curious about mm. something. But typically it's a form of like, Please stay away from me, <laughs> uh -huh. you know. So in most of my, like, videos or pictures with my eagles, you actually don't see them crest because mm -hmm. they're quite calm. So they're saying, I'm good, I'm fine. Um, yeah, eyesight is eight times better than human eyesight nice. for raptors. Yeah. Uh, wow, I can't think right on the spot. <laughs> I know, right? But no, you did good eight times. Yeah. Wow. One egg every two years, that's like. That's one of the most rare things for a Philippine eagle is that their slow maturation rate wow. and slow um, fledgling uh, stages. Sure. Because 
it's so difficult. Like if, if you lose that <clears throat> one offspring, I think because some most birds will lay like a clutch, right, of eggs. Sure. And then you know, in terms of like survival of the fittest and whatnot, you know, they there will be some that will survive and then produce to the next generation. Mm-hmm. But for Philippine eagles, they only have that like one chance. <laughs> and they don't have any natural predators, right? Like once they get big enough. No natural predators besides humans, basically. Yeah. Do. And I don't want to make this sound bad, but do they ever kill indigenous people like young children, like sometimes the harpy eagles? They don't. No, there is. I believe there is no known or any research that has been conducted in terms of hurting people or trying to not hurt, sorry, hunting people. There hasn't been like that. It's quite the opposite way around. Oh, <laughs> they, my gosh. Yeah. And why would yeah. someone, because you said some of the eagles come in with gunshot wounds, why would someone want to shoot them? For uh, poaching, um, for wildlife trades, whatnot, mm. if they get, so people use like feathers or talons for oh. like purposes, stuff like that. So the other Philippine eagle, for instance, like that I take care of, his name is Fighter, and he came in far before I came uh-huh. to work at the facility, and he... Um, uh, he came in about when he was like about one years old or so. But in order for him to survive, they had to amputate his left wing. So unfortunately, he was no longer fit for release back out in the wild. And then um, so he has to remain here in captivity. But we want to, again, try to make them useful. And so he's bonded to me now. I'm the first keeper that he's um, taken a liking to in a sense and um, tolerates me inside his enclosure. He perches on the glove. Um, and we kind of try to go through some of the breeding practices together. Keepers, we put sprigs and like leaves to kind of help stimulate the birds during breeding season. Um, and fighter, he enjoys that. He'll always vocalize the mating call, uh, when I enter his enclosure. And so I was like, okay, you like me. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is so cool. Well, Luana, how can people at home help? Yes. Um, so people in North America, um, and in the U.S. and wherever else you guys are watching. So you, you can please like help donate um, and support our um, conservation initiatives here at the Philippine Eagle Foundation. You can visit our website, like philippineaglefoundation.org. And there's multiple ways of how people can donate. I believe in we have a new uh, way for people to kind of donate um, in terms of North American side through like True Real. So they can check that out. Or you can sponsor a bird or an animal here at the foundation. And as a sponsor or adopter, you're symbolically adopting the animal. You get to name the animal, which is kind of cool. And so get like updates and whatnot on that animal. So there's, those are multiple ways for when the world kind of returns to normal, come by and volunteer um, or do an internship. You never know where it will lead you. (laughs) And your initiatives really do help and make a difference. So hopefully, yeah, people, you guys will like um, to learn more about it. The more you learn, the more educated we are, the more we can do more for wildlife conservation. Absolutely. And, and, and just because of COVID, is the facility closed? Are you taking, is, are you taking small groups? Um, So we just recently opened as of October 5. So we're open to public, um, Limited capacity, of course. You can book a tour, again, through our website or social media platforms. Um, Yeah, so currently starting to reopen, but 
in terms of like international tourism. It's quite difficult. So through those donations and sponsorships like online, that's how we're able to continue doing what we do um, here and helping to support our animals, making sure they get the right food and um, exercise every day that they need. Yeah, making sure they remain healthy. Absolutely. Well, I will put all the links in the show notes. Luana, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to enlighten me. I'm just still blown away with how this cooperative artificial insemination is so fascinating with these birds and congratulations. And please tell everyone on your team, congratulations, because what, what you're doing, I mean, you're saving this, this, this species. I mean, you should, I'm sure you wake up every day and think, man, you're really making a difference in the world. And I just think it's great. And I'm so happy we could highlight the Philippine Eagle because I don't, there's not much information out there about them. Matter of fact, I don't think I've ever even seen a podcast about them. So this is, might be a first. Well, thank you so much for also um, taking the time to like learn more about them and be willing to share um, more information about them as well. So it's spreading that awareness really does uh, help for our like wildlife for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you have a fantastic day. Please say hello to your Philippine Eagles for me. And (laughs) I like I said, I'll include the show notes and your links to your Instagram so people can connect with you if they have any more questions and we'll go from there. Perfect. Sounds great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.